All right, so I'm going to quickly say good morning to everyone who is online, everyone who's going to be hearing on the podcast, and um, those who will be listening later. Okay, so we've been on a series. Uh, the discussion we've had is, who is a disciple? What is a disciple? And why should you be a disciple? All right, I'll just do a quick recap since some of you uh, haven't been here through the series. The first things we talked about and Ken, you were probably here. I can't remember if you were here when we talked when we talked about the first one, right? Oh no, you weren't here. You came like yeah, you didn't come. You didn't come for the first one. All right. So the first thing we talked about was what is a disciple or who is a disciple, and we said that a disciple is a student. It comes from the word mathetis, which is in Matthew. Um, it's a Greek word mathetis, which translates as a student or a learner. So the word disciple is a student or a learner, and um, and then we asked uh, where where did this start from? Did it start from the discipleship start from the days of Jesus? And we realized that discipleship didn't actually start with Jesus. John the Baptist had his own disciples. The Pharisees had their own disciples. Um, even the prophets of old had their own disciples. Elijah had Elisha. Elisha had Gehazi. Um, the Bible uses disciple and servant interchangeably. We made the distinction between uh, a disciple and a servant, whereas a disciple is someone who's learning to achieve or to master something. A servant is probably someone who's working for his master already, who's already um, adept at what he's you know, supposed to be studying. And... Uh, we kind of illustrate the fact that a lot of you here are students. Some of you are studying some kind of degree. Some are studying medicine. You are studying a subject area. So the same thing with discipleship. Disciple means you're studying a specific area which you have chosen in your heart to kind of be a master of, right? And then uh, we went into why be a student, why be a disciple. The first thing... Is everything okay? No, we are okay. okay. All right. So the student becomes like the master. We looked at uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 40. You guys can maybe write it down and look at it at, at a different time. But Jesus says, a, a disciple is not above his teacher, neither is a servant above his master. But when he is fully trained, he becomes like his master, like his teacher. So you want to be a disciple because the disciple becomes like his master. And then we said the other reason why you want to be a disciple is because you want to be able to know the things of the kingdom. Only a true disciple knows the things that his master is doing. And we looked at that in Matthew chapter 13 from verse 10 through 17. And then we continued on the series to say, you know, why continue on the discipleship path? One is to prepare you for what is to come, right? Um, we talked about the fact that God prepares his disciples and he never does anything without revealing them to his uh, servants. Um, and then we talked about how if you follow the discipleship path, you will become that good and faithful servant. Just like Jesus says, who is that good and faithful servant? When he comes, when his master comes, he sees doing the things that he assigned him to do, right? Um, then we branched into, 
the difference between being a disciple and being specifically a disciple of Jesus. You can be a disciple of anyone. You can be a disciple of even your pastor and not realize that you're not a disciple of Jesus. So what differentiates you from any other person, whether you're a disciple of Jesus or you're a disciple of anybody else? We looked at... um, We looked at John chapter 15, verse 5 through 8, and we said, um, a disciple of Jesus is designed to bear fruit. Jesus testifies here that um, I have come that your fruit may remain, right? In this is my Father glorified. A true disciple of Jesus is designed to bear, by design, you will bear fruit if you're truly his disciple. Um, A disciple of Christ receives everlasting life we went into depth and we talked about the fact that jesus is the only one who promised his disciples eternal life he said in his word i give them eternal life right jesus is the only one who promises that and then we ended last week with um Jesus reveals himself to his disciples. We were very specific with this. We said Jesus has a love relationship with his disciples and he reveals himself to his disciples. And you guys can read uh, more than that in John chapter 14 from verse 21 through 24. All right. Now, today we will continue from there uh, where we stopped last week, which is why be a disciple of Jesus? Now, once you realize that you've decided to be a disciple of Jesus, what should we do as disciples? All right. The first thing is to desire the sincere milk of the word, which aids your growth. All right. We are going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2 from verse 2 through 5. Uh, who's going to read for us this time? Ken, what's your name? I'm Jameson. Jameson? Okay. Jameson, do you, do you want to read? He said First Peter. Uh, Peter chapter 2, from 2 to 5. Yes. <laughs> First Peter 2, uh, 2 through 5, yeah. Did you find it? Okay. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to Him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I really like that. We actually did that, talked about that during Bible study at one point. The difference between what the living stone is, because how can you think about a stone that is living, right? You think about stones that are used to build houses and they're dead. They don't do anything, right? So how are you a living stone? How are you alive as a stone that is being built up to be the house of God? Um, This past Wednesday, we were kind of going back and forth on you know, what sin is, can God dwell in sin, you know, because your body is the temple of the Lord, you know, and uh, Toby asked a question like, 
so what happens? Like when you sin, does God just step away and just be like, "I'll come back when you start sinning," <laughs> or you know? Um, but the thing is, the the key point to to dwell on here is that you have to crave the word as a disciple, because when you are a student, we talked about this before. If you don't study, you won't pass your exam. Neither will you become who you want to be, right? I remember when I was younger, I wanted to study medicine, but then I failed physics, and I hated physics. So I could never actually go back to study medicine because I didn't like physics, right? So it's the same way. If you don't crave the sincere milk of the word, which is the gospel, which is the Bible, which is what, what has he said, you won't grow in the things of the faith. You won't grow in your role as a disciple. Um, we talked about one point. We talked about how um, Jesus had 12 disciples, right? One of them was Judas. Judas attended class. He even heard when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, but woe unto the one who betrays me. It would be better for him if a stone was tied around his neck, right? I mean, how can you be a student? You probably, he wasn't paying attention. If he was a student, student, he would have heard that and he wouldn't have betrayed Jesus, would he, right? He even, even one, uh, one chapter actually says, he asked Jesus, is it I? And Jesus says, you have said, I mean, how do you fail your class like so badly that you don't realize that, hey, I'm doing the wrong thing, right? So without honestly craving the sincere milk of the word, you're not going to grow in your discipleship experience, okay? That's the first one. All right, then we go move on to the second thing to remember is that desire to grow in the things of God, right? Um, Hebrews chapter 5, 11. So we're going to read Hebrews chapter 5, I mean, verse 11. And then you're going to read all the way to the end. And then verse 6 and the first verse of uh, chapter 6, sorry. Uh, Onisa or Ken, one of you want to read this time? All right, verse 11. Hebrews 5, verse 11. So from verse 11, read it to the end, and then uh, chapter 6, and verse 1. Thank you. Okay, so uh, Paul takes it a step further, and then he starts to tell you. After Peter tells you first, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, right? He's talking to a community that is just new in Christ. They're probably a Gentile community, meaning that they um, are one of the nations who are not a Jewish nation. 
and they haven't been used to the reading the Torah, reading the Old Testament, basically. So they're a new community, and he's telling them, since as you are new into this faith, you should desire to actually crave the word, study the word, study what the... Because if you remember in the days of Jesus, there wasn't a New Testament. There was only the Old Testament, right? We only have the New Testament today because of the fact that, you know, Paul wrote letters, Peter wrote letters, and then we also had the disciples who wrote letters after they walked with Christ, right? Um, so when he's talking to them, he's telling them to crave the sincere milk of the word, which is to study the Torah and to hear what God has to say, right? And when Paul begins to write to them, he's writing to um, a group of Hebrews. Hebrews meaning that uh, these are probably Jews who are scattered in the nations, in the diaspora. And he's telling them that um, you ought to be skilled in the word already, right? You shouldn't be like newborn babes, you know, drinking milk at this point. You should go on to the more mature things. You should grow into the eating solid food right so he begins to admonish them that they should leave the elementary things of repentance giving up malice giving up you know backbiting and all of that all those elemental stuff which you know are of the flesh step away from them because you've already heard the word you've already read the word you've already um, tasted the word you've already tasted the power of christ so you should move on to the more bigger things right so in this, as you, in your walk as a disciple, first you crave the sincere milk of the word, but as you crave the word, begin to apply the word to your life and begin to grow in the things of God. Begin to desire the things that are of mature um, food for the word, okay? And then the third thing is to desire to know him better. Seek a deeper revelation of who Christ is. Um, we can read... Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 23. I can read that one. Um, so the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 17 through 23. All right. Uh, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give. So he's saying, "I pray unto you." So let me start from sixteen. Cease not to give thanks for you. I cease not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know. What is the hope of his calling? And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is, ex what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in, in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
So Paul is very good at making really eloquent words. If you're kind of not used to reading the Bible, you'd be like, what is he talking about, right? But the thing you have to understand is Paul is telling you that he prays that you get to understand the depth of, of what God has in you. See, if, if a man is from a wealthy family, right? He doesn't know he's from a wealthy family. He's probably eating like a pauper somewhere, right? He doesn't know who his father is, so he never knew that he was born into a wealthy kingdom, into a wealthy family. He's not going to know that. But Paul is telling you, as if you're that poor man in that situation, telling you, I pray that God opens your eyes to see the depth of what he has in you, of what you have in him, the glory that you are entitled to through Christ. So we should seek a deeper revelation of that, that knowledge. Seek to know the inheritance that you have in Christ. Seek to know the depth of that love that God has for you. Seek to know the beauty of that relationship that you have been established with Christ. That is what Paul is admonishing and praying for the people to be. But without growing in your faith, you won't have a revelation of these things, of these deeper truths. You won't be able to see him seated in his glory. You won't be able to see the magnificence of his beauty. You won't be stuck with doing the menial things. All right? Okay, all right, so now the last one we will look at is seek to know what you have been called to, right? The first time we, we, we talked about, we started this message, we said, each one of you, you're here because God, uh, Jesus sent his disciples and says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, calling all, right? Teaching them to obey whatever I've taught you. Seek to know what you've been called to. Because the truth is, you heard the call, you came, but sometimes people come, they answer, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they've been called into. We're going to read this parable, uh, Luke chapter 14, 16 through 33. Um, I'm sorry, Jameson, can I call you again? Is that okay? Thank you. So Luke 14. 16 through 13, 33, sorry. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what? you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Wait, is it 33? Mm-hmm. The cost of being a disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, said, if anyone comes to me and does not 
hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Or if he lays the foundation and is not and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jameson. Um, listen to how... We, we, last week we talked about how everybody has an idea of who Jesus is. Right? And the message was, be careful not to trade the real Jesus for an image of what you think he is. Right? Um, the last thing is to seek to know the depths of, of what you have with him. Right? And to be able to know that you have to seek him truly for him to reveal himself to you. Now, Jesus is telling a parable here of a man who gave a banquet for his son first, right? And he invited a whole bunch of people. Some made excuses because they didn't think it was probably worth anything, right? They didn't think it was much of anything, so they didn't show up. And then he had those who, you know, who showed up because they didn't have anything, right? They called them from the streets. There's another, there's another version of it in the book of Matthew and Mark where even a guy who was improperly dressed showed up and he got kicked out. But Luke doesn't mention that part in this one. But the idea is that know what you're being called to so you don't underestimate it. That's, no, that's the first lesson. Number two, even after you don't underestimate it, know what you're being called to so that you get prepared for it. right? Because when Jesus is calling you, He's not telling you, come and be slack when you're with me. You have to give a, literally, almost, you have to carry your cross. What does it mean to carry your cross? Die to yourself. He's not telling you to hate your parents, literally, because one of the words in the Torah is, honor thy father and thy mother. So he expects you to honor them, but he's expecting you that you should choose him above all else. So if he's going to be your master, if he's going to be your teacher, know that he's expectations from you. So, without knowing him, you can't know what his expectations are, right? So, that's the biggest part, is know who he is, know his expectations from you. Because if you don't know his expectations, you're not going to do what he wants you to do, right? Okay, so those are the uh, four things we're going to talk about today. We'll break this out. We'll talk about them in depth in later sessions. This is usually, just FYI, this is the um, Bible study session of the service and then we'll have the main service just for those who are new here okay we call it sunday school um okay so we'll say a quick prayer and then i'll share a word and then we'll go into the worship session is that okay all right father we thank you so much we know that we have heard these words we have read your word but it's only you who will bring understanding and so we ask oh god for your spirit to give us 
an in-depth understanding, oh God. We pray for an outpour of your Holy Spirit. We, had, we pray for grace. We pray for your anointing, oh God. I pray for these ones who are here together to hear your word, who are here to seek you, who, who are here to gather in your name. I ask, oh God, that your mercy will cover them, that your grace will cover them, that they will walk away with something in their hearts, something that will yield much fruits in their lives, that they will begin to see you, they will be, begin to seek you, they will begin to seek a deeper relationship with you, they will begin to listen out for you, and they will begin to apply that which they hear in their lives, oh God. I ask, Abba Father, that you will cover them, go with them, oh God, and begin to introduce yourself to them, begin to reveal yourself to them and glorify your name in their lives. Glorify your name before their eyes, oh God. That their delight, their desire, their hearts will be to burn towards you. We thank you, O oh God, for this opportunity. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.